the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable. Knowing that you cannot find alone. And if you listen carefully, and sometimes even if you don't, you can hear that sound. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. When he says the Lord has spoken, the idea is so it will come to pass. He says, so listen to me. Don't be so proud. Give glory to the Lord your God before he causes darkness and before your feet stumble on the dark mountains. And while you are looking for light, he turns it into the shadow of death and makes it dense darkness. What you see see here in verse 16 is God is extending grace. Today, Pastor Dan will remind you that pride can be a dangerous thing. Pride could be described as a wrongful assessment of oneself. So when we think more highly of ourselves than we should, what will we think? Who needs God? I don't need someone to tell me what to do. But take a second to relive an experience where you've had that attitude How well did it work out? Presumably not well. God has our best interest at heart. He's not trying to ruin our lives. He just wants us to be safe and whole. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah chapter 13 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Now he's going to explain it to him. Thus says the Lord, In this manner I will ruin the pride of Judah and the great pride of of Jerusalem. So he tells us here, this is the object lesson. The sash, the linen sash represents Judah and Jerusalem. They became filthy and unclean by their idolatry. And so God will bury them in Babylon for 70 years. And then he's going to bring them back into their land after the captivity. And he's going to send them into Babylon to ruin their pride. To ruin their pride. And then he'll bring them back. Verse 10 describes their pride. This evil people who refuse to hear my words. Who follow the dictates of their own hearts. And walk after other gods to serve them and worship them. They shall be just like this sash which is profitable for nothing. They they refuse to listen to God. Uh, They are following the desires of their own hearts because of their pride, because of their pride. They don't think they need God. The Bible has a lot to say about pride. I just want to share a few verses with you. In Psalm 10, Psalm 10 verse 4 says, The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. And that describes Judah at this point. 
They're not seeking God. God is not really in their thoughts. Uh, in Proverbs, Proverbs sixteen eighteen, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Again, that describes Judah. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And they're about to fall at the hands of the Babylonians. James chapter 4 verse 6 says God resists the proud. He's he's against the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And here God says he's going to send them into Babylon to ruin their pride, to deal with their pride once and for all. Verse 11, look what it says in verse 11. For as the sash clings to the waist of a man like a belt, so I have caused the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah, so both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me, says the Lord, that they may become my people, for renown, for praise, and for glory. You know, so that, so that God is praised, God is glorified, but they would not hear. Judah and Israel both were supposed to be like a sash around the waist. And the way a sash or a belt stays close to the body, they were to cling closely to the Lord. But they wouldn't do it. That was God's intention, that they would cling to him and he would do such great things in them as a nation that it would bring glory and honor and praise to God. But but they wouldn't hear. They wouldn't listen. They weren't willing. I read verse 11. I think about how we should just cling to Jesus, right? What a picture, like a like a belt clings to the body. We should cling to Jesus and hold on to, to Jesus. The kingdom of Judah wasn't willing to do that. And so it goes on in verse 12. Therefore you shall speak to them this word. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. Every bottle shall be filled with wine. And they will say to you. Do we not certainly know that every bottle will be filled with wine? You can hear their pride and their answer. We already know that. We already know that. Then you shall say to them, thus says the Lord, behold, I will fill all the inhabitants of this land, even the kings who sit on David's throne, the priests, the prophets, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with drunkenness. And I will dash them one against another, even the fathers and the sons together, says the Lord. I will not pity nor spare nor have mercy, but will destroy them. And what the Lord means here. When he says uh, he will fill uh, the people of Judah with drunkenness. He says from the king down to the common man. The idea here is, is that their senses will be dull. Their spiritual senses. Like a drunk person's senses are dulled. They're, uh, they'll be in a spiritual stupor. They will be dull to what's happening. In their nation. Morally. What's happening in, in their nation uh, as, as far as the judgment of God that is coming. They, they just won't see it. They'll be in this stupor. They'll be dull to what's happening. Much like the world in the last days. As Jesus described it, the world in the last days 
will be in kind of a spiritual stupor. It will be in a spiritual drunkenness where uh, their senses are dulled. And he said uh, in Matthew 24, 37, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. People at, the, at that time will not recognize the seriousness or the gravity of the judgment that, was coming, that will be coming down upon them. Much like the days of Noah. People in the days of Noah were just dull to the fact that judgment was about to fall on the world. And they just went about living their life as if, you know, an ordinary day. Nothing was going to change. Nothing was coming down. And so they married and got married and ate and drank and, and you know, did all the things you would do in life. If you have, have nothing to worry about when they should have been worrying. And so here he, he talks about, you know, just they're, they're going to have this sort of drunkenness spiritually, this stupor, this dullness. You know, in the New Testament, we're told over and over to be sober. To be spiritually sober, which is the opposite of drunkenness. Verse 15, the Lord says, hear and give ear. Do not be proud. For the Lord has spoken. And when he says the Lord has spoken, the idea is so it will come to pass. He says, so listen to me. Don't be so proud. Give glory to the Lord your God before he causes darkness. And before your feet stumble on the dark mountains. And while you are looking for light, he turns it into the shadow of death and makes it dense darkness. What you see, see here in verse 16 is God is extending grace still to the people of Judah. He's still giving them an opportunity to repent and be saved before it's too late. In verse 16, he mentions the dark mountains. And there in Judah, in the Judean mountains, the Judean wilderness, uh, the mountains are very steep. They have these deep valleys. And as the sun is setting down in the valleys, it gets dark. Before the sun is completely set. Because of the shadows that are cast. That's what he's describing here. He's, you know, you know, there's, there's shadows are, 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 are upon us. You know, the darkness and the mountains. Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There would be darkness in the valleys first. Uh, before the sun is set completely. See, you know, the imagery that he's using here is very familiar to the people of Judah's describing this darkness falling on the mountains. And then what he's saying is, hey, you're running out of daylight. You're running out of time. Pretty, pretty soon you're going to be in deep darkness. And, and it'll be too late. Verse 17. But if you will not hear it, my soul will weep in secret for your pride. My eyes will weep bitterly. And run down with tears. Because the Lord's flock has been taken captive. You see here. The heart of God. For his flock. For his people. Weeping for them. Just as Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Because they refused. Him. 
Just broken hearted. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Breaks his heart. Say to the king and to the queen mother. Humble yourselves. Remember back in verse 15. Hear and give ear. Listen to me. Don't be proud. Say to the king. Queen. Humble yourselves. Sit down. For your rule shall collapse. The crown of your glory. The cities of the south or the Negev. Shall be shut up. And no one shall open them. Judah shall be carried away captive. All of it. And it shall be wholly carried away captive. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. You can bring up that map one more time for me. The Babylonians, you know, we have the arrow going that way. That's the path that Jeremiah will take to get to the Euphrates River. But that's the path the Babylonians are going to take to get down to Jerusalem. And so the Babylonians are going to come up and over the top and down from the north to invade the kingdom of Judah, to invade the city of Jerusalem. And the people in Judah and Jerusalem, obviously they're going to flee to the south to get away from the Babylonian army. They're they're going to head into the Negev. That's what the word is here. The word south might be capitalized in your Bible because it's the Negev, it's the desert. They're going to go south, uh, but as they go south, uh, it says it's going to be shut up. They're not going to be able to escape. Verse 19, the south shall be shut up and no one shall open them. So as they try to escape towards the south, it's, it's not going to be successful. There's going to be no place to escape is the idea. And he tells them Judah shall be carried away captive. All of it. Nobody's going to escape. It shall be wholly carried away captive. This is why the Lord is pleading. This is why the Lord is weeping. This is why he's saying hear and give ear. Listen to me. Don't be proud. Say to the king and queen. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. You think you're going to be okay. But they're going to come and you're going to have no way of escaping. And you're going to be carried away as captives. All of you. All of Judah. Humble yourselves. Verse 20. Lift up your eyes and see those who come from the north. The Babylonians. He says, he says, look. Look and see. They're going to come from the north. You can see them coming. Where is the flock that was given to you? Your beautiful sheep. In other words, he's saying here, open your eyes. Don't you see what is heading your way? 
And he says, where's your flock? Where are your beautiful sheep? You know, the the king was considered a, a shepherd over the people of Judah. And the Lord says to the king, where's your flock? Where are your beautiful sheep? The shepherd gives his life for the sheep to save the sheep, right? Remember I said, that's just what shepherds do. They lay down their life. Remember David was willing to fight a lion and a bear and kill the lion, kill the bear to save his flock. And and here the Lord is pleading with the king saying, look at your flock. What's happening? You're the shepherd. Lay down your life for the sheep. And how should the king lay down his life for the sheep? By humbling himself, calling upon the Lord. Repenting. This is how the the shepherd would save his sheep. This is how the king can save his flock. He's saying to the king, you're not doing anything to rescue your sheep. What will you say when he punishes you? For you have taught them to be chieftains, to be head over you. Will not pangs seize you like a woman And labor here talking about this judgment that will come from Babylon. It will come upon Judah suddenly like labor pains, like contractions. And, and, you know, once labor begins, there's no there's no stopping it. Right. It's it's going to run its course and it's going to give birth to their destruction. And if you say in your heart, why have these things come upon me? Isn't that interesting? We've talked about this before, that here God has warned them over and over and over and over that judgment is going to come if they don't repent. But once the judgment comes, they act surprised that there's judgment. Why has this happened? It's, and it's funny how we can be that way. Like we, you know, we walk in disobedience or something and, and then there's a consequence. And we're like, well, why was there a consequence? <laughs> well, that's kind of what they're saying here. Verse 22 again, he says, And if you say in your heart, why have these things come upon me for the greatness of your iniquity? Your skirts have been uncovered. Your heels have been made bare. God uses very graphic language there to describe how uh, the Babylonians will violently mistreat them, mistreat Judah. Now look at verse 23. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard its spots. Then may you also do good who are accustomed to do evil. Now verse 23. Jesus paid it all. Which was a hymn that was written in 1865. By Elvina Hall. At a Methodist church in Baltimore by the way. She was in the choir. She was sitting in the choir loft listening to the pastor's sermon. And she jotted down. The verses to that that hymn, Jesus paid it all. And the the song says, Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leopard spot and melt this heart of stone. Over time, the words have been changed to say the leper's spot, like leprosy, the disease. But the original song said the leopard spot from this verse, from this passage. From Jeremiah thirteen twenty three. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard 
its spot. And, and the idea here in verse 23 is that a person cannot change his skin color. A leopard cannot change his spots. It's, you know, it's genetic. A leopard is born with spots. And, and just as we are born sinners with the sin nature that we inherited from Adam, it's genetic. Just as our hair color, our skin color, our eye color, it's, it's, it's genetic. We have this sin nature that we're born with that we can't change. We can't change our nature, but Jesus Christ can. Jesus Christ can. He can change the leopard spots. Jesus Christ can make a person a new creation, the Bible says, where the old things pass away and he makes everything New And only Jesus Christ can do that. And here, though, what the Lord is saying in verse 23, he says, just like the Ethiopian can't change his skin color and the leopard its spots, he says, then may you also do good who are accustomed to do evil. He, he says here, you have an evil nature. Speaking of Judah. You have an evil nature and you can't change it. You are who you are is what he's saying to Judah. You know, elsewhere in the Bible, it's, it's like in Proverbs and then also um, in First in Peter, Second Peter, it says a dog returns to its own vomit and a, and a washed pig to the mud. And the idea is that's just a dog's nature. It's, it's natural to a dog to return to its vomit. It's natural to a pig to wallow in the mud. You've heard the saying, you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. Its nature hasn't changed. And what he's saying here is Judah's nature is evil. They haven't changed, and they can't change their own nature. You know, they're, they're not, they can't just suddenly be good because they're accustomed to do evil. This is before the cross, right? This is before the gospel. And now our nature can be changed through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he can give us a new nature. Therefore, I will scatter them like stubble that passes away by the wind of the wilderness. It's going to be blown away. This is your lot. The portion of your measures from me, says the Lord. Because you have forgotten me. And trust it in falsehood. Therefore I will uncover your skirts over your face. That your shame may appear. I have seen your adulteries. And your lustful neighing. The lewdness of your harlotry. Your abominations on the hills and the fields. Woe to you O Jerusalem. Will you still not be made Clean And here God, God, you know, again, with a broken heart, weeping for them, he says, woe to you, O Jerusalem. And he pleads with them to be clean. Will you still not be made clean? God's heart is for us to be cleansed of our sin. That's his heart for us. That we would be cleansed of our sin, that we would be cleansed of evil through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. So that we could be made clean. He asked- 
The book of Jeremiah entails many prophecies given to the people of Israel, but they weren't just commands of judgment and consequence. Within these pages, Jeremiah gives insight into the coming promises that Jesus would offer by coming and fulfilling a new covenant of redemption for all people. What's interesting is that Jeremiah poured his heart and soul out as he wrote this book. It wasn't just a dry dissertation of what people should do or what should come about. Jeremiah was a living and breathing person during the time of siege and exile, and he felt deeply for the people and nation he was a part of. His empathy for his kinsmen should resonate with you as you're part of a larger group of people in a nation and ultimately part of God's family. Is there a stirring within you to see those who are lost come to have a saving knowledge of Christ? If so, you might be able to relate to Jeremiah more than you thought. If you're enjoying this series through the book of Jeremiah and would like to hear more teachings, we encourage you to visit our website at calvaryec.com. In addition to listening to these teachings, you can access more information about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. As a church, our heart is geared towards spreading the gospel message to all we come in contact with. And we welcome anyone to worship with us at our location in Columbia, Maryland. For service times and location, check out calvaryec.com. Thanks for joining us today. Next time, we'll continue looking at the book of Jeremiah, here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know His voice and it only takes It's true.